0: Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy.
1: And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today.
2: Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe.
1: And I'm Jake Deptula.
2: We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One.
1: Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words.
2: Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know?
1: We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked.
2: So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking.
0: Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast.
2: Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised.
1: To the Check the Locks podcast, as always, I'm John Connor.
0: And I'm Olivia Cornu.
1: Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. As always, before we get into the episode, Olivia, wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been?
0: I'm doing really good. Uh, my week's been great. Got a couple runs in. Um, going to see my family this weekend. Um, I've been doing pretty good. How are y'all? Y'all seem to all be a little under the weather at the Connor household.
1: We are, we have what we call the funk. That's what it is known as in our house. So if you're listening and if you kind of hear me being a little wheezy from the nose and stuff like that, that's why. But my wife has got a little bit worse than I do. Millie's got a little bit of a cough, but she's doing good. But I mean, other than that, it's been a, a good week. We went to Disney on ice last week, which was awesome, and saw Ariel and Frozen and took a bunch of videos, not of what was actually going on, but of my kid watching Disney on ice. And it was just super cool to see her kind of be like, I'm losing my mind. So it was a lot of fun. That's got to
0: be really exciting for Millie, you know, being four and into probably all the things Disney. So I bet you she had a great, great time.
1: Yeah, she really did. She had a whole lot of fun. And we bought a $32 magic wand, which was awesome. I was like, $32, huh? Was like, this is like $4 worth of material that is now being sold for $32. I was like... I love my child. I love my child. I love my child.
0: It's called inflation, John. Inflation. It's a convenience fee. It's the convenience fee that I always talk about paying. I'm very much a convenience fee payer.
1: Okay. I think there's a difference between a convenience fee. So we went to the show. It's at Bridgestone Arena. Okay. That's where the Nashville Predators play. Huge arena. Normally, if you go, they do a concert or you can go see, you know, big comedians there, stuff like that. They sell popcorn. Disney on ice will not allow the stadium to sell popcorn because Disney has to sell their own popcorn. Take a guess how much a bag of Disney popcorn is running at Bridgestone.
0: We're not talking a bucket. We're talking a bag.
1: Talking a bag. Okay. Now it does. Okay. I will Like a large the movie theater
0: size bag?
1: No, it's bigger than that. It's oh, like, a, like
0: the zip tie. Not the zip tie, but the.
1: I know exactly like what you're talking
0: about. Like a cotton candy bag, but yes. big.
1: And it has a little, almost like a Halloween bag. Like you can dump the popcorn as like a souvenir bag to take home with you, like
0: reusable.
1: $25. $18. Oh. But still, $18 for popcorn. popcorn?
0: My nephew is in Boy Scouts, and one of their fundraisers is selling popcorn. Now, I love the Boy Scouts, and I will buy the popcorn, but it is like $18 a bag. And it's not even like a Skinny Pop Sam's size bag. It's like just a regular bag of Boom Chicka Pop.
1: Yeah, when I was in Boy Scouts way back in the day, we had like the tubs. They were the big metal containers. Oh,
0: yeah, that you get at Christmas time with the three flavors.
1: Yeah, it was like the caramel, the cheese, Mm -hmm. the regular. The the regular. Fun fact about me, I don't like popcorn. Do you know that?
0: You don't? Oh, John. You don't like popcorn? I almost made popcorn for a snack, you know, because I always have to eat while we record the podcast. Fun fact that y'all listeners don't know. But I love to eat while we record the podcast, and I almost brought popcorn, but I thought it would be too much. So now you don't like popcorn, and you don't like pasta.
1: Popcorn gets stuck in your teeth, okay?
0: That's called it's, dental floss.
1: It's an irritating food, though. Like, why are you going to eat something that is guaranteed to irritate you? And then you get that one that's, like, stuck in your gum, and you use a dental floss, you brush your stuck teeth Stuck in like, your gum times. for, like,
0: five days, Yeah,
1: yeah. And you're just like, "Mm, that was delicious, you know, and I worked at a movie theater when I was a teenager for a really long time. And I think I got burnt out on it there. But yeah, it's not it's not for me. I'm just like, you can keep it popcorn and pasta. I don't need it.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'll eat it all.
1: Well, speaking of popcorn, we were texting back and forth and it sounds like this week you have a pretty heavy-hitting case and I'm actually really really excited about it. You sent me the notes and normally I do peek a little bit so I'm kind of like what's going on? I haven't gone through them cuz I wanted to make sure that I was kind of going on the ride with you, especially after Stephen Grant last week. You know, that was a 10 for both of us, so I was like, okay, I wonder if there's another big one coming. Also, I don't know if you saw on our Instagram, but I posted that picture of him with the crazy eyes mm-hmm. and everybody was like totally guilty. <laughs> so 100% But what do you got for us this week? Break it down. I'm super excited.
0: This week, we're talking about the most terrifying serial killer that I've never heard of. So let's jump right in. Around 1996, in Colville, Washington, Julie Harris, 12 years old, who was also a Special Olympics medalist in skiing, disappeared. Her remains were found one year later, just a few miles away from where she went missing. June 1997, Cassie Emerson was reported missing when her mother was found charred in their burnt-down trailer. Cassie's remains were found in 1998, less than 15 miles from their home. Fast forward to 2007, around Boca Raton, Florida. Randy Gorenberg was out shopping on a cool March day when she was abducted from a shopping mall. Her body was found within hours, dumped with two bullet wounds. In August 2007, a mother and her toddler son were also abducted from a parking lot. Fortunately, she was released after the kidnapper withdrew money from an ATM machine. On December 12th, 2007, Nancy Bokikio, who was with her seven-year-old daughter, Joey, were both found shot in their car in the parking
1: lot. So we've just covered from 1997, then it jumped to 2007, and you've given me like four murders at this point. So if this is the same person, I've already got questions as far as like what happened in that 10 years. And I'm sure you're going to get to it, but like my wheels are spinning as you're going through. So sorry to interrupt. I'm just excited.
0: Yeah, no. And as I was doing my research, it's like, oh, this happened. And then we skip like a decade and then some more murders are happening. But yeah, I will get to that as we dive into who this terrifying serial killer is.
1: I'm so excited.
0: April 8, 2009, Deborah Feldman was last seen alive at her home in Hackensack, New Jersey. At the time of her disappearance, she was 49 years old. June 8, 2011, Bill and Lorraine Courier were at home when an intruder stormed their home in Essex, Vermont. The two were tied up and taken to an abandoned home where Bill was shot and killed and Lorraine sexually assaulted prior to being strangled to death. Samantha Koenig, an 18-year-old who was working as a barista at the local coffee shop in Anchorage, Alaska. It was a regular day on February 1, 2012, when Samantha reported to her shift. That day, she was kidnapped from the coffee shop. She was sexually assaulted and killed the following day. Her remains were left in her shed. Two weeks later, her body was dismembered and disposed of in Matanuska Lake, Alaska. So John, so far we have several murders and disappearances, like, over the course of a decade. So what do you, what kind of person do you think would do such a thing?
1: Well, there's a couple things that stick out to me. One, there are large gaps. And I'm not saying that this is what happened, but those gaps in between, you know, when these killings are ha- are happening could either be that he was in prison or maybe suffered some kind of injury like BTK. I know that he hurt his back. And so he went years without doing anything because he physically couldn't. And then something triggered him and he was back out. The other thing that is really striking to me is that these are all over the map. Like we're as far north as Alaska, but there was Hackensack, New Jersey. I think you said Boca Raton, Florida. And then Essex,
0: uh, Vermont.
1: Essex, Vermont. So like he's moving around, which that is very similar to Ted Bundy. You know, Ted Bundy was like in Michigan and California and just all over the map. So there's a lot of things going on here that I'm really excited to get more details about.
0: So are you ready to find out who this terrifying serial killer is?
1: I am. I am. Let on me.
0: Okay. Israel Keys was arrested on March 13th, 2013 in Lufkin, Texas. He mistakenly used Samantha Koenig's ATM card, tipping off investigators to his whereabouts and the rental car in which he was driving. So when police pulled him over, they searched his car, finding Samantha's ID, her debit card, and her cell phone. The disguise that he was seen wearing on the ATM footage when he initially used her debit card was also obtained in the car.
1: So he was wearing a disguise, but using her ID, using her ATM card, stuff like that to try to get money out. Which is another interesting thing, because I think we talked about this in the Bikini Kill episode. But, you know, having that card, he must have got the PIN number if he's able to successfully get money out of the account.
0: So have you ever heard of Israel Keys?
1: I haven't. No, okay. this is the, the first time I'm hearing about them. Which is weird for me because I'm like, I try to be Mr. Like, oh, do you know this unknown case or this unknown case? So this is cool because I have absolutely no idea anything about this guy.
0: I don't think I've brought a case that you didn't know about or heard about in a long time, if ever.
1: I'm excited. I don't get this feeling very much as like watching a documentary on Netflix or something. It's like, oh, I'm going to like learn something. So.
0: So let's take a look into the background of who Israel Keys is. So he was born January seventh, 1978, in Richmond, Utah, to Heidi and John Keyes. He was born into a large family, being the second of ten children. His parents were Mormon expats from California. The family left the Mormon faith and moved to Colville, Washington. There, all twelve of the Keyes lived in a one-room cabin that did not have running water or electricity. The family began attending a church called the Ark, which practiced a white supremacist Christian identity. The church was a big influence to the Keyes family. The children were required to live off the land, hunting for their meals. Israel Keyes was noted to be an outcast and antisocial pretty early on in his adolescence. He was a troubled child who reported skinning a deer alive, shooting at his neighbor's house, starting fires, and breaking into houses for fun. Keyes had stolen guns from multiple home invasions and sold them. His fellow peers distanced themselves from Israel as he was killing animals with no remorse in their presence. Israel began working as a contractor in Colville, Washington from 1995 to 1997, and then his family relocated to Maine in a mostly Amish community. The Keyes children were forbidden to listen to music or watch movies given their parents' strict religious upbringing as it was, quote, against God. Israel told his parents that he was atheist, at which time they kicked him out of their house and shunned him from the family. The younger siblings were no longer allowed to have contact with Israel. Keyes developed an interest in Satanism, and in 1998, Israel enlisted in the Army and served in the 5th Infantry, relocating him to New Jersey. He was trained as an Army Ranger, and he was stationed at Fort Lewis.
1: It sounds like he's had one very repressed childhood. Where it's like you're living off the land, doesn't sound like there's a lot of interaction with the outside world. You can't listen to secular music. You know what I mean? Like in a way, it seems like as a teenager or a young man, that is almost what you would do automatically would be to be like, Hey, you know what? This is intense. I'm an atheist. In fact, not only am I an atheist, now I have an interest in Satanism because I'm going so far to the other side of the pendulum of like what I've had to deal with and be involved in since I was a child.
0: Yeah, it's been, I think I spent the most time going through his upbringing and who he was during my time and research.
1: And I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination. I don't have a any kind of problem with anybody who is. And, you know, faith brings a lot of people comfort. But I think any religion in that kind of extreme could push somebody to the opposite side of the coin, you know?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, his family's telling him that he has to hunt for his food so that they have dinner. I mean, and that can go, you know, they always talk about, you know, looking into people's past on, did they kill animals? You know, if they killed animals when they were younger, they're a a psychopath or a sociopath. But I mean, when he's forced to live off the land and that's the kind of behavior he started with, I think there is a switch that can happen.
1: Yeah. It's definitely very interesting. i I'm very riveted. I'm super excited to kind of see how he gets caught or how he evolves into what he becomes. It's, it's like I said, this is one of those things where I feel like I'm learning something that I've you know, never heard about before, so.
0: Well, good, I'm excited to keep going so that you can continue to hear about him. So like I mentioned, he was stationed in Fort Lewis. He did spend time overseas in Egypt. Um, and then in 2000, Keys became involved with a woman who lived in McCaw Reservation in Washington. And they had a daughter that was born in 2001. And so the same year, in 2001, he was honorably discharged from the Army.
1: That's a little crazy to me because it's like he's got a daughter. He's honorably discharged. You know, again, other than like the rebellion aspect, there's not seem like there's a whole lot of red flags.
0: So with my crime starting in 1997, and then I jumped to 2007, from the years 1998 to 2001, he was enlisted in the Army. And I think looking up the information that was found of him at that time, the only trouble he got into was he got pulled over and I think got a ticket or got expunged or something for drinking and driving. But that was his only record at that time while he was in the Army.
1: That's crazy. And also having a child in 2001 – If you're going 1997 to 2007, I'm wondering as we go through if part of that's going to be like either he was doing stuff and not getting caught or, Mm. you know, if you have a family, I would imagine it's harder to get away to do those kind of things. Or maybe he was happy for a little bit and then there's like some kind of stressor or something like that. So, again, I'm just theorizing not knowing anything about it. Yeah,
0: no, you're doing great. You're, you're, You're on the right track. After his arrest, Israel Keyes began to confess. He told investigators that he targeted random people from all across the country to avoid being caught, which is why we have the Northeast, we have Washington, we have Florida. And then he kind of played a cat and mouse game, you know, from what I read, where he would give a little information but not always give all the information. And so it was very, very confusing to investigators. He did report that he preferred strangulation, overusing guns, but would use guns when necessary. He stated that he enjoyed the thrill of watching his victims lose consciousness while struggling to fight him off, which in my eyes is just very sickening.
1: So it definitely sounds like he's a sadist or that he is kind of getting off in some way by inflicting pain or humiliation or some kind of torture on these people. Like if you are enjoying watching the life go from these people's eyes and like seeing them be scared in that moment, that is definitely some sadistic behavior for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. So going back to some of the cases, no arrests were made in the 1996 case of Julie Harris or Cassie Emerson and her mother's deaths. There are reports that Keys had told investigators that his first time to commit arson was with a trailer, which is what happened in the case of Cassie Emerson. Her mother's body's remains were found in their trailer. Israel did not admit to any murders during the three years in his time serving in the U.S. Army, but he did admit to raping two women while abroad in the Army in Egypt. One victim was a prostitute and another was a college student. It is thought that Keyes resumed killing in 2001 after leaving the Army. Deborah Feldman was never found. Keyes reports that he abducted a woman on the East Coast on April 9, 2009, which was one day after Deborah was last seen. He described the woman as a prostitute who was also a drug addict. He never confessed to killing Deborah, but when photos of victims were shown to Keys, he would quickly say no after each photo with the exception of Deborah's, when he would reply, I don't want to talk about her yet. So again, the cat and mouse game I'm talking about. He gives a little but doesn't really give all the details and kind of leaves investigators on their toes.
1: Yeah, and it seems like he even gets off on that. You know what I mean? Being like, I know something about it, but I'm not ready to talk about it. Like, let's move on. We'll come back to it. And I'm sure at that point detectives are like, well, we just, we need answers. So let's move on. And hopefully if we come back to it, we'll get what we need. But it's, it's still that, like, I'm in control, you know, very much with I'm strangling somebody to death and watching them die. I'm in control of that situation. The same as like, I'm in control as to whether or not I want to talk about her right now.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Bill and Lorraine couriers remains were never found. Keys admitted to hiding a murder kit two years prior to the deaths of the couriers. So in my research, there's a lot of pictures of these murder kits. They are basically like big Home Depot buckets full with weapons and zip ties and all these things. And so he reports hiding these kits. And this is a kit he went across country, got it out of its hiding spot, murdered this couple. And then there's reports that he moved it to another hiding place somewhere in New York because he had land in New York and that last kit pretty much stayed in place until the police were able to go obtain it after he was arrested. But just the fact that he has little murder kits all over the country is really kind of disturbing.
1: Yeah. Well, like last week when we were talking about the Stephen Grant case, his argument was like, it wasn't premeditated. It was just in the heat of the moment. And it's like, you're not making that argument in this case, Bud. like you, you have murder kits literally planted across the country. It's that's dark. That's super dark.
0: Yeah. So during several interrogations, Keyes expressed his admiration for other serial killers, especially those who have never been caught. He compared his killing style similar to that of Ted Bundy. You're like spot on, John.
1: I was right. Hey, yeah. look mm-hmm. at me. Look at me knowing stuff.
0: Yep, it's almost like you're a host of a true crime podcast.
1: Yeah, maybe. Or like I just watched a bunch of stuff that normal human beings are like, this is disgusting. <laughs>
0: Keyes told police that he knew do most of every serial killer that was ever written about. He found studying serial killers fun, and it was a hobby of his.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah. I think we're in trouble.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. No, we're pretty good people. When Keyes abducted Samantha Koenig from the coffee shop, I mentioned that he sexually assaulted her and killed her the following day. Now, the disturbing part of this murder is that he stored Samantha's body in his shed while he flew to New Orleans to take a two week long cruise with his girlfriend and his daughter.
1: So this guy murdered this 18 year old girl, took her to a shed, left her body there and was like, I'll get back to this. I have to be on the Royal Caribbean.
0: For two weeks. Oh, it only gets better, John.
1: That's insane. I don't understand how a person's brain works that can do something like that. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I've just done this horrible thing. I'm going to continue doing horrible things, but I have to put a pause on it because I can't miss my vacation. Right. And to go hang out with your child. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That is insane.
0: Yeah. So it gets better. So when he returned back to Anchorage, he attempted to get a ransom. So he took her body out of the shed. He applied makeup to her now decaying body. He sewed her eyes open with fishing wire to make her appear alive. And then he submitted this photo.
1: Oh my God, dude. That's like next level. We've we've covered some pretty crazy people on this podcast. You know, the Texas Candyman. Yeah. The Spokane serial killer. Like we've covered some dark people. That is one of the, I think in the 21 episodes that we've done, I think that is one of the darker things. That we've talked about on the show,
0: yeah. So then, shortly after he submitted that photo, he dismembered her body, and then that's when he dumped her in the Matanuska Lake, that's just north of Anchorage. Keys is thought to have committed more murders than detectives are aware of. He hinted at other crimes but never confessed to them. He tried bargaining with detectives so that he could get a quote quick execution date, so that his mother and daughter didn't have to live out the details of all of his crime. Israel Keyes committed suicide in his Anchorage jail cell on the night of December 1st, 2012. Despite warnings, he was given a razor blade, cut his wrist, and strangled himself with a sheet in his bed. His dead body was not discovered until the morning of December 2nd. His mother, four sisters, and their husbands were the only members present at his funeral on December 8th of 2012. Police discovered 11 pieces of paper with skulls drawn in Keyes' blood under his jail cell bed. One paper said, quote, "'We are one.'" Investigators believe that he killed 11 victims. At the time of his suicide, only eight murders were confessed to. Also in his cell was a suicide note that stated, "'Where will you go, you clever little worm, "'if you bleed your host dry? "'Back in your ride, the night is still young. "'Streetlights push back the black-eyed neat rose. "'Off the ride right, a graveyard appears. "'Lines of stone, bodies molder below. "'Turn away quick.'" Bob your head to the seat, as straight through that stop sign you roll, loaded truck with lights off slams into you broadside. Your flesh smashed as metal explodes. You may have been free, you love living your lie, fate had its own scheme, crushed like a bug, you still die. Soon now you'll join those ranks of dead, or your ashes the wind will soon blow. Family and friends will shed a few tears, pretend it's off to heaven you go. But the reality is, you were just bones and meat, and with your brain dead, also your soul. Send the dying to wait for their death in the comfort of retirement homes. Quietly, quickly, say it for the best. It's best for you so their fate, you'll not know. Turn a blind eye back to the screen. Soak in your reality shows. Stand in front of your mirror, and you preen, in a plastic castle you call home. Land of the free, land of the lie, land of scheme Americanized. Consume what you don't need, stars you idolize. Pursue what you admit is a dream, and then it's American die. Get in your big car so you can get to work fast on roads made of dinosaur bones. Punch in on the clock, sit on your ass, playing stupid-ass games on your phone. Paper on your wall says you got smarts. The test that you took told you so, but you would still crawl like the vermin you are once your precious power grid's blown. Land of the free, land of the lie, land of the scheme, Americanize. Now that I have you held tight, I will tell you a story. Speak soft in your ears so you know that it's true. You're my love at first sight, and though you're scared to be near me, my words penetrate your thoughts now in an intimate prelude. I looked into your eyes, they were so dark, warm, and trusting, as though you had not a worry or care. The more guileless the game, the better potential to fill up those pools with your fear. Your face framed in dark curls like a portrait. The sun shone through highlights of red. What color I wonder and how straight it will turn plastered back with the sweat of your blood. Your wet lips were a promise of a secret unspoken. Nervous laugh at it is burst like a pulse of blood from your throat. There will be no more laughter here. I feel your body tense up, my hand now on your shoulder, your eyes. Forget the lady called Luck, she does not abide near me for her powers don't extend to those who are dead. Would that I keep you? Let you be the master of your own fate, knowing full well what's at stake? My pretty captive butterfly colorful wings my hand smears. I somehow repaint them with punishment and tears. Violent metamorphosis, emerge my dark moth princess. I would come often and worship on the altar of your flesh. You shudder with revulsion and try to shrink far from me. I'll have you tied down and begging to become my Stockholm sweetie. Okay, talk is over. Words are placid and weak. Back it with action, or it all comes off cheap. Watch close while I work now. Feel the electric shock of my touch. Open my trembling flower, or your petals I'll crush.
1: If you just read that to me, and I did not know that it was a clearly mentally ill serial killer who has committed all these terrible crimes— I would hands down say that was the worst like 15 year old poetry I have ever read in my entire life. It's bad. But then you're like, yeah, but the guy who's writing this as a suicide note is out of his mind. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering when you were reading that for your research, because I think things hit a little bit differently. Like if you're researching your case at night, it's dark, like the lights are low, and then you have to read this like three page poem. Like how did that hit you in that moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, you think that there's parts of it where you're like, oh, okay, he's actually a decent writer. And then he just goes on these other rants. Like, you can tell he's obviously talking about a woman. And at times, I thought he was talking about his daughter. But then it gets into this weird, like, obsestuous thing that I don't think was about her. And then he's basically just describing what the modern day looks like in the United States. Talking about the land of scheme, Americanized, you know, idolizing stars, watching our reality television. Um, So he never really makes a point.
1: Well, like part of it sounds like Green Day lyrics, and that's not like a a slam against Green Day. Like I grew up Dookie. I had that album. Like I played that out. Like I'm a Green Day fan, but it's got this almost like late 90s, like I'm punk rock, but it's not really saying anything and i think what really comes through and i think this kind of ties together his interactions with the police and how we had these murder kits planted like that letter that poem it feels like he's trying to portray himself as like i'm smarter than you like you idolize these stars you but i know the real dark, you know what i mean it's like yeah and what gets me is just because you're a psycho doesn't necessarily mean that you're the smartest person in the room but you think you are you right, know what i mean is that right. narcissism
0: Especially because there's so many different crimes that they didn't go into a lot of detail about, but there was a lot of different missing people and different crimes that he would hint about, but they could never pin him for it. So there's still plenty of other cases out there that the detectives are convinced that he committed.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like that with a lot of serial killers where it's like, we got him for this, but we think he's responsible for a lot more. It's just one of those things where it's like you got to get them where you can get them. You know what I mean? Cause I know that was the thing for Ted Bundy was like, he kept trying to stay off his execution, stay off his. well, if I give you this little bit, like, can we push it off? If I give you this little bit, can we push it off? Right. And it seems like he, he was doing the same thing, but in a different way. Like if I give you what you want, just like get it done quick.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah. He was like, he wants his execution date early.
1: Yeah, he didn't want his whole Mormon family having to hear about all the terrible stuff that he did, you know?
0: Yeah. And his poor daughter, I didn't even in my research, I didn't even look up her like there's, you know, when you're doing your Google and everything, it's like Israel Key's daughter. Like, I don't need to know who she is. She needs to put this behind her. She needs to know that she can have a normal upbringing and a live a normal life despite what her father did, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like Stephen and Tara Grant's kids, like we were talking about last week. And, you know, they do a lot to bring to light the danger of domestic violence and things like that. So they have a cause, which when there's a cause, I feel totally comfortable about being like, this is important to them because of what they went through. Like, let's lift lift that up. Yeah. But if it's, you know, just some person out there, it's like my dad did some terrible stuff and I would like to distance myself from it and maybe not have that be the defining thing that I'm known as like, cool. I have, I'm totally fine with like, let's not dive into that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And the hardest part is knowing that she went on that vacation with her dad And him knowing that Samantha's body was just in his shed, you know?
1: Yeah. And she would have been little too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, cause she was born in 2001.
0: Yeah. And he was only 34, I believe at the time of his death.
1: So, I mean, she would have been only, you know, a couple of years old. You know what I mean? That's, that's crazy to think about too. It's like, I also wonder with that happening when she was so young, did that spare her in some ways? You know what I mean? Cause I think it, something like that. If you were 15 and you're like, Oh, my dad just got arrested as a serial killer. Kind of like the Spokane killer. You know, he had a 15, 16 year old daughter, you know what I mean? So like when that's your dad and you get thrown into the spotlight like that probably hits you a little bit harder than when you're like, yeah, I was like five or six and I don't really know him or have memories of him. You know what I mean? I'm sure it makes it a little easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So John, where does this uh, stand on your deadbolt test?
1: That's a good question. So as we were going through, there were some things that stuck out to me. Number one, the fact that he just kind of struck randomly. He had murder kits in different places. So they had the ability to strike randomly. That is terrifying to me. The opposite side of that coin is other than the couple, from what we know, it seems like he mostly attacked women. So I don't know, would I be in the prey that he was kind of looking for? And I know we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. So- for me, though, just because, I mean, he did get a guy. He got a couple. You know, and I can't imagine just like being at home and all of a sudden somebody's in your house. It's kind of like the night stalker where it's just like wherever there's the opportunity, I'm going to I'm gonna do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I would put this at a seven just because of the random act and like he was doing things randomly to not get caught. And that really freaks me out. What about you? Where would this be for you on your deadbolt test?
0: Yeah, I think I'm pretty close to you. I'm going to give it about an eight. I do think that by doing the research, he's definitely one of the more darker minds that I have looked into, definitely disturbed by some of the things that he did. And then there was just no real rhyme or reason. You know, they would talk about he would be in like rural areas or campgrounds and he would truly like stalk them. And then he always said that like he wouldn't kill children because he wouldn't want his daughter to know and, you know, but then... The trailer was burned down. There was two incidences where he kidnapped one with with their toddler and then another one where he actually murdered them. And so he just – there was no way of knowing what he was doing or what he was thinking or what his next move would be. And to that, that makes it an eight for me, just real mysterious. And then it strikes in all the parts of the country.
1: Yeah, it's a lot like a predator in the wild, right? Like a coyote – you know, you'll see them on the streets in California. Cause they're like, I'm going to eat whatever I can find. You know what I mean? If it's a dog, if it's, you know, getting into your tra- it's like, whatever I can eat to feel full and like fulfilled and attack, like that's what I'm going to do. And that's what this kind of mindset of a killer like this reminds me of where it's like, I don't care if it's, you know, a woman and her child, I don't care if it's a couple, I don't care. It's like, I've got this drive to do something inside me and I don't care how I have to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that is a terrifying thought. I think for me, I'm starting to learn like the idea of being close to a monster and not know it are some of the things that hit me harder mm-hmm. where if this was about like him killing his wife or his child, or if they were on that list, I think it would be higher for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, you have no idea what kind of person this is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's, crazy. I, I'm going to stick with that, that seven, but it's dark, man. And I'm definitely going to dig a little bit deeper in this. I think, I think this is one where I might find myself, like, I want to know everything I can about this, you know?
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a show that came out on oxygen, um, about it. And then I think there's some sort of, I think he might be in the documentary be- behind a serial killer's mind or whatever that show is. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Inside a serial killer's mind or something.
1: Oh, Mind of a Killer or something like that? Yeah,
0: I think he's yeah. mentioned in there. Um, I haven't watched that series, so I'm not sure if it's, like, just about his murders or if it's about him in general as a serial killer. Well, good. I'm glad that I brought a, a high-ranking one for you.
1: One that I, I've i never heard of. You know what I mean? Like I said, that's, I feel like that's rare for me because I'm, like, always, like— what's the next documentary that's out what's the next new like i want to you know anything that that's new that comes out or anything i hear about i dive into and i went into this totally blank and it got me man it was Really, really dark.
0: But you were also really spot on, too. I'm very impressed by that. You were like, well, what about this? And why didn't he murder between this year and this year? And, you know, he's kind of like Ted Bundy. And I'm like, I'll get there.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that's just like my nerd brain kicking in. I'm like, well, wait a second. If there's a gap in time, that typically means. So,
0: <laughs> I love it, though. That means we're we're starting to think and we're starting to, you know, figure out what's happening on these cases, which is why I like the surprise factor.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. Now I'm going to put it at a seven. Olivia is putting it at an eight on the deadbolt test. But we want to know where does Israel keys, the most infamous serial killer you've never heard of fall on your deadbolt test. You can let us know. As always, we are on Instagram at check the locks pod. We are on Twitter at check the locks. I'm going to say it again. This is the 21st time, 21st episode. If you are not in our Facebook group, please join. We have so much fun in there. Today was awesome. We we're posting memes. People are sharing, you know, being excited for Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out. It's just, again, such a great place to be where people are nice to each other. You have a shared interest in something. It's just very, very cool. Olivia, I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, I know you feel the same way, but, you know, if you want to expound on that in and-
0: Yeah, it's spooky season right now. So everybody is on their meme game right now. We're getting some hurricane advice memes. Um, We're getting hocus pocus talk. I was reading some of the stuff today because I'm a little behind in the group. And there was just some shocking stuff that was in there. Turns out that it was um, a hoax, but... I was reading the one about the, the girl that was missing in the dollar bill. Like her name was written on the dollar bill and said, I'm still alive. But it turns out I think it was a hoax. But that was, when I first read that, I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, it's cool just to see people like posting stories or current events and stuff like that. And everybody in the group is just so nice. And, you know, it really does feel like a community. It's like, I'd get up in the morning and like, that's one of the first things i check just to be like, hey, what's going on in the group? Because I'm, you know, I just love what people are sharing. So if you are not in the Facebook group, Please make sure you're joining us there. Come hang out with us. We're interacting every single day. Olivia, this was a dark story. My head is kind of spinning a little bit. I think this would be a perfect time to read a five-star review. What do you think?
0: Yes, absolutely. So this week's five-star review comes from Blue Bones, B-L-E-U-B-O-N-E-S. And they said, love the format of this podcast, especially the deadbolt scale discussion afterwards. I'm a fan of Olivia from Maths, and now I'm a fan of both of you. Hopefully lots and lots of episodes to listen to in the future. So thank you, Blue Bones. We are so happy you listened to our podcast. Thanks for joining the ride with us, and hopefully we can keep bringing you good cases.
1: Yeah, Blue Bones. And I love that it's B-L-E-U. It's like blue cheese. You know, you got to do a little fancy. But Blue Bones, thank you so much for taking the time to leave us that review. We would love to send you, you know, we got stickers, buttons. Olivia, I am drinking out of a koozie right now that says pee out your potassium. I've had it for literally two hours, and this is my favorite thing. So you're welcome. Uh, we've got a bunch of goodies that we can send you, and thank you. I appreciate it. Blue Bones, we would love to send you something. Reach out to us again. Instagram, check the locks pod. Twitter, check the locks. Or reach out to us in the Facebook group. If you are not a social person, that's totally fine. Head over to checkleloxpod.com, hit the email button, send us an email, let us know where to send it. We would love to get you some stuff. Olivia, if someone would like to have their five star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that?
0: Well, first, they need to go to the Apple Podcast app, scroll all the way down to the bottom of our show page, click all five stars write us a review, tell us what you like, and hopefully your name and your review will be the next one read on each week's episode.
1: Yeah, we love reading these reviews. And again, I know that I talk about this every week, so please bear with me, but those reviews help us get into recommendations. Like if you're listening to Morbid or Dateline or something like that, helps people find the show. Also, we just like reading them. It's awesome because it's really a great way to help us build the community. So if you like the show, leave us a review, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Drop them a link, let them know to check it out. And speaking of things that we love, Olivia, week number two, we got a voicemail.
0: Oh my gosh, I feel heard. I feel seen. I feel validated. Thank you. Two weeks in a row.
1: It's like like people
0: are really listening.
1: They are. They're listening. They are answering. So, guys, I don't know if you can tell how excited we are in our voice, but we love these voicemails. So keep them coming. Olivia, should we go to the phones?
0: Go to the phones.
2: Hi, Olivia. Um, This is Aaron. I am from Iowa. Um, I guess I should say hi to John too. Hi, John. Um, I hear Olivia's requests every single episode for voicemails. And since I primarily am driving, which uh, I am doing... Bluetooth right now for this, but um, I listen to y'all primarily when I'm driving. My best friend Kelsey actually suggested about uh, true crime. It's the same as she is. Honestly, it's great. We love it. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to leave y'all a voicemail and let you know how wonderful you're doing and how much I can't look for how much I look forward to new episodes because. It's like some of these I haven't even heard of. Like you say, wow, I haven't heard of this one. I definitely haven't either. So thank you guys for putting out that content and also for making sure that I check the locks. Okay, bye.
0: Aaron from Iowa. I would love to know what part of Iowa you're in. I don't know if you know that about me, but I lived in Iowa City for four years. Um, so thank you for listening and hearing me and my plea for voicemails. Let us know where you are so we can send you some swag. Again, I love voicemails.
1: You know, I have to say this week it, would, it was like, hey, I'm a big fan of Olivia from Married at First Sight. And John's okay too. And then it was, hey, Olivia. Oh hi John. So
0: (laughs) y'all, I can't do this podcast without John. John does all the heavy lifting, let me tell you. So love my boy John. He needs he needs a shout out.
1: Now listen, I don't care if they only love you, if they despise me, as long as they're listening to the show, I'm totally happy with that. (laughs) You're just
0: guilty by association with a reality TV person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Aaron, in all seriousness. Thank you for taking the time to leave that voicemail, the reviews, the voicemails, they make this show so much fun to do. And kind of like Olivia was talking about last week, it is so cool to hear the voices of the people who are listening to the show because our voices go out there every week, right? So mm-hmm. for people who are listening and and want to leave that feedback, we really enjoy hearing your voice and, and what you think. So thank you for taking the time. Please, if you're listening to this in your car, drive safe. But that's what we got, Olivia. This is episode 21.
0: Wow, that's so many. And I do want to say, if you don't want your voicemail played on the podcast, but you want to leave us a voicemail, just let us know, and we will leave it anonymous, and we will hear it for ourselves. I don't want it to be discouraging for you not to leave us a voicemail.
1: Yes, or if you want to leave a voicemail and you want your voice to be distorted distorted, or you want your identity hidden, I would love to do that. I would love to be like, hi this is Aaron from Iowa (laughs) so it so much fun but that is it that is the episode thank you so much for hanging out with us this week we will see you again next week same time as we jump into another truly terrifying true crime case until then don't forget to
0: check the locks
1: we'll see you next week bye